Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Olivia. I'm a professional learning assistant here at Strive, and I will be your co-host for today's episode with my fellow colleagues. I am Amy, also a professional learning assistant here at Strive. And today we are going to share with you our ECL capstone project experiences. So, in the Early Childhood Leadership Program, in fourth year, students are required to do what is called a capstone research project, which um, is a project that we work on for the entire school year, um, engaging in literature review, research proposals, and then actually engaging and implementing our research into action. And then at the end of the year, we have uh, presentations where everyone shares their research, their findings, and dives deeper into their specific projects. So Liv, what was your topic for your capstone project? So I did my project on trauma-informed practice preparedness in pre-service ECL students. So. I may also say TIP throughout this podcast episode, and that's just the short form for trauma-informed practice. I, I had two fellow um, classmates that also engaged in this research with me, Madison Jocks and Grace Sowa, and I couldn't be more grateful to have had them as my partners for the project. How about you? So myself and my co-researchers, Emily Casey, Allison Cunningham, and Mackenzie Doyle, knew that we wanted to focus on children's mental health as the topic for ours, Um, and we wanted to learn more about how the COVID-19 pandemic affected it. Um, And we chose, for myself, I chose this because after doing my internship at Strive last summer, and now being a professional learning assistant, I was very interested in finding out more about what educators are doing to learn more about this rapid decrease in children's mental health and what we're doing to support it. So we did some preliminary research just on the broad topic of children's mental health and some astonishing numbers came up like for example up to 20% of children worldwide um, struggle with their mental health. So with it being such a big issue right now Um, and that interest in looking at the educator side of it. We wanted to understand educators' confidence, skills, and knowledge in support of children's mental health in Ontario post the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, I feel like we had similar but different research Mm -hmm. um, topics. For myself, um, when I was going into Capstone, I really didn't know which topic I wanted to do. I felt like there were so many. Um, I felt like the list was forever. But as soon as um, trauma-informed practice was mentioned, I immediately was drawn to that. um, As similar to mental health is something that I'm always advocating for and wanting to learn further about. And so trauma-informed practice, I felt was the next step that I needed in my journey to really understand how to support children and families in that regard. So um, when I um, chatted with Madison and Grace and they also were interested in this topic, I felt so much excitement and I was so eager to start the the process of the research project. Um, 
Yeah, similar here. I had no clue what topic I wanted to do. And then on the very first day of class, Sandra Lockenbauer, who is my professor, um, she had us do an activity where we threw around some ideas, wrote stuff on whiteboards, and kind of grouped similar topics together. And then we would see who wrote stuff like in the same area of the board and then we kind of went from there um and I had worked with all of my co-researchers before so it was just a perfect fit and we all had a main interest in this in children's mental health that's so exciting so after that um like the next step after we chose our topics was to kind of choose which type of research we wanted this project to be so for those listening, we had the options between qualitative and quantitative, and the really exciting thing about this podcast is the fact that we did different ones, so I'm really excited to see what we have to share about our experiences with that. So for your project, which type of research did you do? So we did quantitative research, which I was perfectly okay with because I'm not so much a math person, but I do find that my brain does think very numerically. So I was excited to see how that plays out in research and the process behind analyzing the data. I was a little bit intimidated just because I did think that there was a lot more math actually involved in it than there was. Um, But we just used a program for all of that, so it did it for us. Um, But we wanted to be able to measure our data and for it to be anonymous coming directly from the educators themselves because the questions were about their own feelings and practices and from what I gathered um, watching everyone's qualitative presentations, it was done through observations or critical friends, I believe. Um, And from specifically what we wanted to find out it made more sense for it to be done through an anonymous survey design which is a quantitative design so we sort of got to uncover trends in the population from a small sample through sending out a google form to everyone and then that way they were more comfortable with sharing their Mm -hmm. own personal experiences and knowledge confidence and skills are variables um which if it was something that was done face to face through a critical friend they might not have been so open about yeah definitely something to consider um so for our research we did qualitative so our method was um a focus group that was led by a semi-structured interview guide so we did a self-study which meant we the researchers played a dual role in both the researcher and the participant. Mm -hmm. And again, similar to you, because our topic was very personal and um, we were put in like quite vulnerable situations having to explore this topic, we had to really create a trusting relationship with each other. And I think the more we connected over the year, the more we were able to feel that trust and confidence in being able to share and know that um, our experiences were valid 
we did make it clear that because we were reviewing pre-service ECL preparedness, we tried to really think back on our academic and field experiences more than personal, but at the same time, I think it's really important to acknowledge that our personal experiences impact the professionals that we are, so they kind of go hand in hand. Um, But to guide our research, we actually used a book as our guiding source of literature, and it's called Trauma Through a Child's Eyes, Awakening the Ordinary Miracle of Healing from Infancy Through to Adolescence, and it's by Peter A. Levine and Maggie Klein. And so um, at the beginning of our um, journey, we were deciding on which book to choose, and we chose this one because it had such a vast age group included in the book, and also the topics that were included in it, um, some of the stuff we didn't feel we knew much about, and some of it we came to realize we actually knew more than we thought we knew. Um, So it was quite an interesting experience. Uh, We felt that a self-study best suited this research topic because, so in third year we did a research course and the topic of self-study was never really touched upon. And self-study really brings in reflective practice, which is an essential component to the early years sector. So we wanted to further explore that and felt that that best suited our research topic. So after your research was concluded, what were your findings? So in our primary analysis, which was answering our main research question, we found that educators do feel that they are knowledgeable, skillful, and confident in working with children who struggle with their mental health and mental wellness. However, um, it's important to note that we only got survey responses from southwestern Ontario, majority from London. Um, Yeah, but we also conducted some exploratory analyses with the data that we received, and we found out that participants who attended more relevant professional learning opportunities were more knowledgeable about children's mental health. And similarly, we found that those who completed more years of relevant post-secondary schooling also felt more knowledgeable about children's mental health than participants who completed less. So we found that very interesting. What were your findings? So with our research, we had three focus groups that were just the three of us. And then we had two more, which included a critical friend. Um, And for those of you that don't know, a critical friend is an expert that provides their knowledge and expertise in a research study. So we had um, Heather as our critical friend and we had two Uh, focus groups with her involved as well and as a result of our focus groups we had 302 minutes recorded and 182 pages of transcribed text which we did verbatim so it was a lot to work through (laughs) a lot of work yeah um and after we transcribed everything we coded individually and then came together with our professor and supervisor dr tina bonnet to find our overall findings And there was a lot to work through from all of that, but we came to conclude that there were four 
overall themes that we all agreed upon. So the first one is trauma-informed gaps in growth. Um, so we recognized the gaps and the growth that we experienced going through this research topic and um, what was needed for pre-service learning. Um, I think in that area, we also just came to realize that we actually knew more than we thought we knew. Um, and we learned a lot about trauma-informed practice um, in our academic years, but it just wasn't like explicitly stated. So we were unaware. Um, and then the second one was insight into self, feelings, and scope of practice. So we just acknowledged that TIP weighs heavily on pre-service early years professionals and can be emotionally taxing. So practicing self-care and compassion is absolutely essential in this. The third theme that we had is called turning points. So for those that are unfamiliar with the term turning, turning points, it is what reveals new ways of thinking about problems within practice and provides space for action taking to transpire. So we came across four turning points in our research. The first one is misunderstandings. That one really focused on misunderstandings surrounding labels. So labeling particular behaviors um, as boy or girl behaviors, things like that. Um, the second one is the somatic sensory system. So we just really learned, um, this was new for all of us, but the importance of um, getting in tune with our body and um, differentiating emotions from sensations. So if you're working with a child and they're having a difficult time, sometimes it's hard to express what you're emotionally feeling, but a lot of children can express what they're physically feeling. So maybe they have like butterflies in their tummy, maybe they have a headache. So we really learned the importance of acknowledging the, that sensory system. The third one was medical and birth trauma, which was absolutely fascinating to me. It became quite a passion of mine to learn about um, and how complex prenatal and postnatal experiences are for not only the children, but the mothers as well, and how that can have a long lasting impact on the child's health and the mother's health as well. And then the fourth turning point was resources and curriculum. So that was just talking a lot about um, resources that are needed or resources that are out there that we didn't know about and also how we can implement this type of learning in our curriculum. And then our fourth theme <laughs> was hope for healing. And this one, um, I just felt it was so important to acknowledge that there is hope um, with a topic that is so, so heavy. Um, it's important to acknowledge that there is hope and although there are a lot of um, children that experience psychological trauma and developmental trauma and toxic stress it's also important to acknowledge that there is hope connections can be made and um, you can heal from this with proper strategies and solutions so those were our findings um, but one thing I also want to reiterate is that this was specifically just from our educational experience. So I do know that things have changed slightly in the academic world already in this regard. Um, and also just to note that these findings are not to be generalized. But mm -hmm. that was our findings. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them. Yeah, a lot. 
trying to put that onto like the poster was the yeah. hardest thing because <laughs> it was like five words per yeah. thing it was difficult <laughs> ours compared to yours are so brief and just like straight to the point <laughs> straight to the numbers ours, yeah yeah ours is just like like coding right it's understanding mm-hmm. so not like percentages and numbers yeah. ours like if it was above a certain number that means yep it's it's significant <laughs> yeah <laughs> I find it so interesting yeah so how might your findings impact the field of ECEC so for us um we got to share our findings with other pre-service students and maybe in-service um professionals as well and I think it just really highlights the importance of understanding psychological trauma I think a lot of people misunderstand it and think that children in the early years don't experience it um, because maybe they they can't verbally express it maybe it's happening behind closed doors and you don't see it but it happens more often than not and it's it's important that we as early years professionals acknowledge this and are able to understand it to a certain extent so that we can support the children and the families going through it. We recognize that obviously we are not trained professionals in this regard. We did not do our academic, like our degree is not in trauma-informed practice specifically, but we are with children for a lot of their lives and we have an impact on them and so it is our responsibility to care for them and this is part of it so I think with this research it just further emphasizes the importance of acknowledging and understanding this and to know that there are resources out there that can help you to understand I recommend the book that we used as our guiding piece of literature to everybody because I learned so much from it and I will, it will be a resource that I can always look back on and learn from. So I had some experiences that I reflected on during the research from my placement that had I read this book prior, I definitely would have responded in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so even though we did a big research project <laughs> on this, it's not to say that you can't do it on your own time either. Um, But again, it is our responsibility as professionals to um, make sure that children in our care are safe. And if we can't um, provide the, like, proper care, if we can at least have the resources to share with families, we don't have to be the knowledge keepers of everything, but being knowledgeable in the ways that we can respond, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. How about yourself? Well, because our topics are so similar, mm-hmm. pretty much all of that also <laughs> goes goes for hours. But um, research on children's mental health from other countries uh, have suggested that they don't feel that educators don't feel equipped and or comfortable in working with children who struggle with their mental health. And these studies were done in Australia, Finland, and the United States. Um, which our study found the opposite of. It found that they are comfortable and equipped and knowledgeable, skillful, confident, all of that. So that's a very positive thing for Southwestern Ontario. Um, 
knowing that educators in our area feel that way. But it also shows the evidence that more professional learning, professional development, um, as well as more schooling supports knowledge of children's mental health and how we can support it, which may even encourage those in this field to further their learning and may also contribute to the recognition of professionalism. Um, and it supports that, the importance of ongoing learning as well. Uh, and it also increases the recognition um, in the field for quality professional learning opportunities as well, which <laughs> we aim for here at Strive. Um, so yeah, we, we found that um, overall it really furthers that notion of always be willing to Mm -hmm. further your learning and again like we said in our last <laughs> podcast change is good and it can be scary but we need to change with the times and because of the pandemic with children's mental health rapidly decreasing we need to be here to combat that mm -hmm. and support them yeah and I feel like these topics like they can feel so daunting for someone to start to explore and if they've experienced um, having to support a family and they don't feel knowledgeable about it, that's going to feel really, really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to start somewhere. And so these are just starting points for our journeys in, in further understanding and in acknowledging these. Mm -hmm. And like I said, had I learned this stuff previously, I feel like I would have dealt with some situations differently. And now that I know, I feel more confident and capable of doing that. And when I first started this research, I felt very scared because it just felt so overwhelming. The book was very big. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to get through it all. But the more I learned, um, the more I did feel confident. So I think that's just a reminder to everyone that we have to start somewhere. And it is going to feel a little uncomfy at the start. But once you start to learn, then your confidence also grows. Yeah, and we did have to acknowledge that it can be very uncomfortable admitting to not knowing or not, yeah. you know, having the the knowledge or the practices, but we we did struggle with that and it was actually one of the limitations of our research because when crafting our questions for our questionnaire we had to be very mindful of the wording that we used because we didn't want to ask any questions in a way that would intimidate mm -hmm. the respondents and we didn't want to make them feel as if we were coming for their practice and saying like right. no you're not doing enough and it was difficult because we didn't know if people would truthfully yeah. answer and actually own up to not having the knowledge or mm -hmm. the skills or confidence. But yeah. Okay, so how was your overall experience doing Capstone? I loved Capstone, to be honest with you. It, it definitely got stressful at times just because having two semesters to do something as large as this mm -hmm. and not 
having much knowledge about it going into it 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 was tricky especially working around our other courses and our work here at Strive but luckily the Strive team is very very understanding (laughs) and encouraging um so there was no times that I had to miss any sort of capstone meeting or anything um yeah we I had a great research team and we were very dedicated to our time and we would agree on times to meet and we would be there and we would get our work done and we sort of not like made a promise to each other but we held each other accountable Mm -hmm. um by means of like not falling behind because there were some so it was split up into kind of smaller projects So, for example, we started off with our literature review um, as one specific project, and then it kind of snowballed, and then eventually we had this big, giant (laughs) research report. So we held each other accountable, and we didn't fall short on the deadline for any of these, which would have been very easy to do, to Mm -hmm. be honest, just juggling everything. And some of them didn't even necessarily have a strict deadline for our class um so sandra wouldn't come and check to see if we actually had it done but we we were all very much on the same page knowing that we need to have it done because we wanted this to be like our pride and joy we wanted it to be the best that it could be and we wanted to put all the effort that we had into it so yeah personally great experience (laughs) wouldn't change it for anything um but also I just loved the whole process of it because it's so new to us Mm -hmm. as you mentioned we did have that one course on research methods but other than that that's kind of that's kind of it in the research side of things so it was very different and I really enjoyed it how about you? I also loved Capstone. I <laughs> I was so nervous at the start. Um, and to be quite honest, when I was going into it, I thought I was going to do it by myself because I was so nervous to, to rely on other classmates to do mm-hmm. such a ginormous project. Um, but I'm so glad that I had Madison and Grace as my co-researchers. I had worked with Madison previously, but I hadn't worked with Grace before. Um, But I think the three of us, we just, we really, similar to you, created a sense of trust in each other and willingness to put in the work and put in the effort. Um, And it was just something that, it was funny, our first focus group, like we were so shy, we really like talked we we did our full focus group but it was very much like cautious of what we were going to say and mm-hmm. things like that and by the last focus group we were like trying to condense everything because we <laughs> had so much that we wanted to yeah. share and I think that just spoke volumes of how comfortable um, and confident we became in working together and it was it was an emotional experience like trauma-informed practice it was a lot and this book definitely brought up a lot of like different (laughs) emotions and sensations and so 
to have other classmates going through a very similar process was really nice to be able to debrief as well, um, which allowed us to, to take care of ourselves throughout this heavy process. And then as daunting as it sounded to have like 302 recorded minutes, I actually loved transcribing. I felt like I would get right in the zone and it also allowed me to really feel like I was in the focus group again because when we were in the focus group it was just so fast-paced whereas when we were listening to the focus groups and transcribing we listened to every word and really um, absorbed everything that was being spoken about and I just also found a love for research. Um, I was nervous at first deciding between quantitative and qualitative Mm -hmm. because I came to realize that for myself, I'm very much like a quantitative thinker to myself, like very Mm -hmm. much black and white, but to everyone else around me, I'm very qualitative and like everyone's voice matters and it's (laughs) valued. So it was hard choosing, but I'm so glad I chose qualitative because I felt that that was a challenge that I needed and it is now something that I love. And I think about this project all the time and wish I could keep working on it. Um, just because I found it so fascinating. Um, and then also, Tina and Heather were so knowledgeable and helped us throughout the whole process as well. And I just really admired their dedication to our projects, even though they had their own projects, their own work, their own um, other projects to supervise yeah. as well. But they also put in the work to support us, which I think drove us to also provide appropriate mm-hmm. projects. Yeah, it's wild that by the end of even the first semester, I feel like Tina and Sandra would have had like six mm-hmm. research projects that they pretty much had memorized as well. Yeah. Because we had weekly meetings with Sandra. Um, and yeah, we would sit down and she'd be like, okay, this is where we left off. And yeah. she, she would know everything about mm-hmm. our project. And we're like, wow, like we can barely keep up with our own. How yeah. are you? <laughs> How are you doing this for everyone? Tina was the same. And especially um, there were quite a, other, a lot of other groups that also did focus groups, which meant they had recorded minutes and transcribed text. Yeah. And she also coded and read through all of oh, those goodness. as well. And so... I think we got so lucky with our professors and their passion for research, I feel, really did inspire us as students. Yeah. Um, Just curious, for my own knowledge, mm -hmm. how, what was the time frame like for doing your, like, critical friend interviews and transcribing and all of that? Let me see. So, like, was that, like, just one section of it or did you do that over the whole duration of it so we we had to wait until january because um the research and research and ethics board of fanshawe had to approve the research Mm -hmm. so we actually couldn't start our focus groups until january right so we started our very first focus group i believe if i recall correctly was on the first friday back and then we did one about every week um, on average we had one every Friday because we needed to 
um, transcribe them all and code them before like our next project was due. Mm -hmm. So I actually, we had our last focus group on the Thursday before reading week in the morning and I flew to Germany that evening. Yeah. And so I actually had to bring my project with me to Germany, which was totally fine. And I trans I transcribed and coded my entire project. The dedication. <laughs> but you know what? I would much rather sit in Germany and do that than <laughs> True. sit in my apartment in <laughs> London, Ontario. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a very, very fast turnaround. But um, the three of us, we each focus group, we... Um, split between the three of us and on average they were around 60 minutes so we each had about 20 minutes to transcribe Mm -hmm. per week and then we had like a giant document that had the 182 pages wow yeah (laughs) yeah it was it was a lot but I actually really enjoyed it because like I said I just felt like I was in it in it Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed that yeah, yeah. It, it feels like your baby it once does. you're done too. It's so yeah. important to you because yeah. you know the work and the time and that effort got put, that you into, put it. into it. Yeah, yeah. What was your timeline for like your um, surveys? So same with us, we had to get it approved mm-hmm. by the ethics board, and once it was, and once we had our questionnaire all good to go and approved we sent it out um so we gave around initially I believe it was two weeks for responses but it it wasn't enough yeah we had some some troubles with getting it out and Mm -hmm. with those responding to our email and agreeing to do it yeah which is totally understandable because we were sending it to child care centers and yeah. we know how busy you are working frontline. So we decided to extend it another week. So in the end, um, participants had three weeks to respond. And it's still such a fast turnaround. <laughs> it is, it is. And Sandra even said that usually like you would give more time, but given our tight timeline for doing this for school yeah we had to we had to get it out and back (laughs) pretty quickly so we turned off the responses at the end of that third week and then we had a meeting with Sandra where she used the fancy program (laughs) and helped us analyze it all and we did that in one sit down wow yeah it was like one one hour long sit down where we were just Going through it, going through the numbers. Oh my goodness, that was probably a lot because there would be so much new content and like yeah words <laughs> and terminology. Yeah, there's this one specific program that we had to use to um, analyze the data and only one of us could actually <laughs> download it and get access to it because anytime I would try and open it, it would pop up and tell me to sign in with my child reach email. <laughs> oh my gosh. But there was no like option to click any other any email other. or anything. And two others also had that same problem oh with gosh. their work emails. So 
only Emily could actually (laughs) download that program. So we, Sandra had it up on her computer and we were all crowded around Emily's looking at the screen and yeah, yeah, but just looking at that program and how did I still don't understand it to be honest with you she showed us and walked us through it Mm -hmm. and did it with us but I (laughs) it was a blur yeah yeah for sure and I think like it's so funny because we speak so eloquently about our research Mm -hmm. now but going through it you know there were definitely hiccups there were definitely a lot of learning experiences and you know confusion Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it all worked out yeah, there was one of the assignments that we handed in, and for some reason, there was only a title page, and the whole rest of it was just blank pages. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sandra was like, um... <laughs> we were like, we swear we did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was, yeah, mini heart attack. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you have any tips for those students that may be listening to this that are going to be going to do their capstone project? I think my biggest tip would be to carefully choose those who you work with Mm -hmm. just because I know it's very easy to want to work with your friends. Yeah. But you've got to be cautious because you will be working on this over the whole entire last year of the program and if you choose to work with your friends and maybe the topic isn't necessarily what you wanted but you just did it to work with them it's not going to be the same experience because you may not have as much care that you put into it Mm -hmm. so I think that would be my biggest tip yeah I I say similar things to when I'm chatting with students such as our interns this mm-hmm. summer about some tips and for me very similar it's you know choosing who you're working with wisely but I think the big important thing is choosing those that have a similar passion and interest as you because like you said you're going to be working on this for an entire academic year and if you don't have the same level of interest as your co-researchers then that can definitely cause some tension in the group and I mean I worked with someone that I had never worked with before and it turned out well because we all had the same level of interest and passion in this project whereas unfortunately like there were definitely classmates in our classes where their group members there was challenges and barriers that came to be in unfortunately sometimes that's the reality of these capstone research projects but I think one way to try and combat that would be to pick someone that has a similar interest as you rather than picking someone just because you want to work together yeah my group got lucky that we all typically work together but Mm -hmm. also have that same interest yeah and I was also roommates with two of them (laughs) so I could just go and knock on their door (laughs) yeah and I think the other thing is um to stay on top of things like you said not all of these um assignments have like particular deadlines but if you stay 
on track with the process of them then your final research paper is actually like not that difficult and it's just editing because you've already wrote your literature review you've already wrote your methodology paper you've Mm -hmm. already wrote your findings and discussion and so that final paper you're just amalgamating everything and doing some last minute edits yeah honestly that was the easiest assignment was the actual final paper yeah for us what we did was as soon as we got the assignments back with feedback we edited them right during that week when it was still fresh in our mind whereas I know some classmates they waited until that final research paper and they couldn't remember Mm -hmm. like what the the comments were in relation to because it was maybe a year ago right yeah Yeah. first semester and then everything from that class disappears and you don't have it on your financial online anymore so we edit it right away I highly recommend that because it makes that final paper a lot easier to complete so before you finish maybe we can ask each other one fun question just to you know give our brains a little break and give the listeners a little break to comprehend everything that we just (laughs) shared with them so since we're speaking about mental health and TIP what's your favorite wellness practice right now at the moment my favorite wellness practice is to go on a long walk whether it's with a friend or just by myself I just put my headphones in and just take a stroll wherever and it just helps me clear my mind but also reflect at Mm -hmm. the same time if that makes sense yeah what's yours Right now, um, I'm loving yoga, so I've been practicing yoga on and off for years now, but just recently, I've really come to appreciate what yoga offers me. For myself, it's more than just the physical practice. It's also so helpful to my mind. I always kind of find it hard to get to class. Like Sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll go tonight, and I kind of drag my feet there. Mm-hmm. And then once I get there, we're like sitting there and my brain is still going wild. And then by the end, I actually just feel so rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. And there's barely any like, it depends what type of class you do. But with restorative classes in particular, like there's not like a ginormous physical Mm -hmm. um, exertion for it. But I actually feel that I come out feeling stronger and more refreshed and... um, It's something that I'm really enjoying and I'm trying to consciously make the effort of like, I need to go. And even though getting out of the house can be hard sometimes, afterwards I always am so happy that I went. Yeah, I totally get that. The same for me and my walks. (laughs) They're, yeah, they're not that exerting. Like it's just a nice walk, not even fast paced, but I feel so good after and like I really did something good for myself. Yeah. And, like, just that little bit of exercise after, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm ready to take on the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, a nice restart, refresh. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your research project. Yeah, as well. Maybe we'll see it published, fingers crossed. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) It's so interesting hearing our different experiences. I know. But also so similar. similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.